Coming up today on the Lead to Succeed podcast. Once we start serving and making an impact on others, we're not thinking about our plight anymore, right? We're thinking about lifting others up. We're thinking about being of value to others. Then we're able to avoid the traps of pity, of uh, situational depression, which is a very normal thing. We all deal with it. But the more that we're able to make that transition and offer that structure and getting people to focus to serve others, that's how we're going to own this coronavirus and any other uncertainty that will come our way. Do you want to learn the tricks that top leaders use to get the most out of themselves and their teams? Well, Naftali Hoff is here to help lead to succeed. Picks the brains of top leaders to learn about their challenges, insights, and best practices. Here's Naftali. Hello, Lead to Succeed Nation. It's Naftali Hoff, and welcome to Lead to Succeed, Episode 59. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Alden Mills. Alden is a three-time Navy SEAL platoon commander and was the CEO of Perfect Fitness, one of the fastest-growing companies in America. He's the author of Unstoppable Teams, The Four Essential Actions of High-Performance Leadership, and Be Unstoppable, The Eight Essential Actions to Succeed at Anything. A longtime entrepreneur with more than 40 patents and more than 25 years of experience working with high-performance teams, he lives in the San Francisco Bay Area. Alden, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Hey, it's an honor to be here, and I love what you're doing with Lead to Succeed, Naftali. Thank you. No, it's really, it's, it's one of my passions. It's one of the things I love to do, and I love to have conversations with great leaders. And what I really like about this conversation, Alden, is the way that you have bridged the military and leadership in military space to what we might call civilian leadership and what that looks like for the average person like me, the, the, the regular person without that kind of training, but recognizing the importance of, of, the, of the leadership skills that we need to develop in order to succeed in life. And the fact that you have brought that to us in the various ways that you've done it, whether it's through writing or for speaking and consulting other things that you've done, which I don't even know, I'm sure there's a lot more. Um, first of all, thank you and thank you for your service. Uh, to our country and thank you for our service beyond. So that is actually um, a, a nice tie-in, I think, to the first question I'd like to ask you, which ties into Corona. You know, we're having this conversation mm -hmm. from home, um, not from the office. Clearly yeah. we're in a different space right now than we've ever been before, you know, disruption in, to a magnitude that I don't think we even felt with 9-11, let alone with the Great Recession. And so, I'm curious to know from your background, let's go back to the Navy SEALs for just a moment, because mm -hmm. to me, there's something special about leadership specifically in the military and Navy SEALs conjures up, of course, the highest echelon within our military. What did that training, what did that experience, how did that prepare you for Corona? And, and, and talk a little bit about some of the lessons that you've learned, you know, in the last few weeks as you've been going through all of this. Well, I want to first say thank you for acknowledging the bridge. I spend a lot of time working on bridges to p let people understand that you don't have to go through Navy SEAL training or any other super advanced military training to, under to use the nuggets that they teach us and apply it to your everyday life. 
SEALs and civilians, yes, they're different, but the rules are still the same. So what SEAL team taught me on how to deal with the coronavirus are what I would call the three S's. Three very simple things, but they're really important because they build on each other. You see, SEAL team is all about training you for a crisis. Crisis is nothing more than a dramatic shift that happens very quickly from certainty to uncertainty, right? That's what like crisis is. Like you said is. that, yeah. That's exactly what we're dealing with here. The uncertainty of how long are we going to be in shelter in place? Who's sick? Who isn't sick? How many ventilators are there, right? All of those things that get piled on top of us. When we have that shift that goes from certainty to uncertainty very quickly, rule number one, number one S, safety. The very first thing we do. Now, what does that mean in SEAL team? It's an ambush right? We're going along. We have a certain path we're following. And then all of a sudden, boom, we're ambushed. What's the very first thing you do? Get into a safe position. Make sure we've got some safety. And of course, there's a little tactical firing going on, but it's safety. First and foremost, do our friends, do our folks that are in our quarantine right now, do they feel safe? If they don't feel safe, what does it take to get them to feel safe, right? Understand if you're leading remotely, the very first thing you've got to address with your remote team is safety. What and what that's safety so means to them? Yeah, that's great. You know, it's so interesting because, and I, and I know you want to continue. Said so I'm going yeah, to yeah. Don't get me wrong, but it's so powerful as, I, as I'm sharing content as well, both for regular leaders, let's call it, as well as for educators. We need to be thinking about people on the other side of the screen, right? What are what are their pain points? What are their concerns? And how can we, as a leader, um, you know, in effect, provide for them and, and, and ease their anxiety, ease their concerns and provide them with enough security and comfort that they could do their very best work? You see, Naftali, you don't know this, and I'm ambushing you a little bit here. But the reason I came on this show is that you are doing these three S's. And as I walk through them, you will see what I'm talking about. Go for it. I want to hear the next one. So once you've taken care of people's safety, right? Because the very first thing that happens in uncertainty is they look inward. They go selfish. They have selfish needs. I'm not picking on anybody. That's a normal thing. What's happening to me, right? Am I going to be okay? And then the next thing is looking at the people inside our shelter in place, inside our quarantine. Once you take care of that, then it's time to set a structure, the second S. The reason structure is so important is that it gives us something to focus on, right? In the case of the ambush, the first thing we do is we have the immediate fight back. Then we get to a place where we get to a safe place. We check on everybody. Has anybody been shot? Are we okay? And then we're going to come up with a plan right? That's what structure is. Now we come up with a plan. Okay, this is uncertainty. And if we don't come up with a plan, then all, what happens? We just stay in reactive mode, right? Once we have a plan, what's happening? We're taking ownership. We're going proactive. And now we're starting to focus in on the things we can control, right? Now, the reason I'm bringing that up is what are you doing with your show? Lead to Succeed is about offering structure. 
It's about giving different points of view and structure for your audience members, which I totally relate with, on, hey, here's how you can focus and own what you can control. That's right. Right? And you know this better than anybody because you're an educator. That's right. And educators bring structure, right? You're the first thing you do is, and then you're going to get even more of this when I get to the third S, but I'll stop there if you have any questions to ask me first. No, I think this is really great, Alden, so far. You know, you talked about safety and structure. I can't wait to hear the third one. So now we've got a structure, right? Now we've got people focused on being productive. We got people focused on taking care of their safety. And now the moment we are able to shift that focus, the next big milestone is then building structure, which is really a bridge to getting them to serve, to serve others. That's the third S is service. And once we get them serving others, we then make a transition from safety of selfishness, structure becomes the bridge, and then we get to the island of selflessness, and that's the island of service, right? You know that better than most being an educator. Once we start serving and making an impact on others, we're not thinking about our plight anymore, right? We're thinking about lifting others up. We're thinking about being of value to others then we're able to avoid the traps of pity, of uh, situational depression, which is a very normal thing. We all deal with it. But the more that we're able to make that transition and offer that structure and getting people to focus, to serve others, that's how we're going to own this coronavirus and any other uncertainty that will come our way. You know, what I, there are a number of things about this that I really love, and I'd love to unpack it a little bit more with you. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Abraham Maslow and his hierarchy of needs. Yes. It's actually something that's taught for, for educators, but it's really out there for everybody. And I yes. think your model in many ways really follows that same concept, right? I can't, using the educational example, I can't effectively educate a child who doesn't feel safe, who's hungry whose physio physiological needs are not being met. So if they come to, and, and I will, you know, like for example, uh, within, within my community as an Orthodox Jew, so there are certain days on the calendar that are fast days. Some of them we don't have school for like a Yom Kippur, but there are other days where they're minor fast, yet still the adults, anyone over the bar mitzvah age, for example, they're fasting. And you know, as an educator, that you as well as those students are not performing at the optimal level when they're not eating. That's and then right. you have the next level and you kind of move from there. It's only at the top when all of my needs are in place that I could really engage in the self-actualization. I could really engage in the higher purpose stuff. So you moved us from a place of kind of sheltering in place, making sure that we're safe, taking care of the physiological needs, mm -hmm. bringing us to a point next where there's more structure, there's more purpose. I have a sense of what I'm doing and what needs to happen to move my life forward because I can't spend all of my life sheltering in place. There's got to be more than that. And then, of course, you can go to that higher purpose area of service um, with whatever it is that you do. And that's a message, of course, you can communicate to your people, which I think you might have been intimating. But at the same time, from the leader standpoint, you want to be thinking about how do I move my people as well 
through the different levels. So yes, first I got to make sure that you're safe and I need to demonstrate empathy and I need to demonstrate support and let you know that that is my top priority. Once we have that, then we can move you to stage two and stage three. How do we get us back on track? What's the work we need to be doing? And eventually moving to that level of service. So I, I think it has multiple applications and I think it's brilliant. And it really does, I think, you know, help us understand that we can take ownership. This is one of the last things I think you said, moving away from the possible but certainly normal progression towards pity towards depression, towards sadness. You know, I see people, for example, on LinkedIn in particular, posting a lot about what the isolation is doing to them, especially people who are very community oriented. In my case, if you go in a synagogue, if you go in a church, if you are normally out there in a very public kind of way, if you're extroverted in particular, right? Mm -hmm. If you feed off of other people's energy, I was talking to another person, um, a, a brilliant communicator, someone who I appreciate very much. And she, I believe she lives alone. And she talked about how, you know, the absence of hugs, the abs absence of physical touch, the absence of, you know, being able to connect with people in the normative way that works for you, all of these things could easily bring a person to a place of woe is me. Oh, Naftali, you know, I was just going to say this before you brought this up. Hardest thing for isolation for me. Go ahead. And by the way, it's for all SEALs. It's for everybody in Delta Force, for Green Berets, Force Recon, pick any special forces. You know what the large majority of us all are? Uh, between what, introvert, extrovert, or something different? No, no, we're huggers. Oh, really? Yeah, and you just brought that up, and oh, I miss my hugs. Right. I, my kids are kind of sick and tired of me squeezing them so much. I but can imagine. I'm a hugger at heart. And, so and that's the hardest thing, right? Yeah, yeah. It's really not social distance, by the way. It's the wrong word. This is physical distancing. I hear if what anything, you want more social connection. Yeah, you do. And sometimes you have to like get that in your head. You know, my wife and I have been talking about this a lot. We've been blessed with six kids and we just celebrated mm. Passover not long ago. Oh, that's and our house, our house is comfortable, but it's certainly not that comfortable. <laughs> You yeah. know, when you, have, when you have eight people in the house all day, every day, having multiple, you know, multi-course meals during the holiday season, all on top right. of each other with the Seder and everything else, you could just imagine yeah. Yeah, yeah, how yeah. much it, like, it feels like, when am I going to get out? On the other hand, we were blessed to have everybody home. I'm and, you know, totally we have family members that had to celebrate the holiday alone and, and or, or just with immediate family and couldn't have the nuclear um, beyond go beyond nuclear, so to speak. So I think everybody's reacting differently. But coming back to that key point here is that, you know, we have control over our mindset, we have control over our actions, we know it intuitively, and we know it intellectually, but sometimes we have to kind of put the processes into place to actualize it to really feel it, and to do something meaningful with it. So yeah, we could easily lapse into the pity and, you know, I wish things were different, but at the same time, we have the ability to think differently, connect with people differently, and, and constantly imagine not only what life will like in the future, what I want it to be eventually, but how can I optimize the present? So, so, so and, let's- And Naftali, yeah, uh, you, you just sparked another thing, if you don't mind me. Not at I'll all. Another bridge for you on this, because I ahead. think it's a very important piece you brought up. 
For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. That is a law of nature. That's not Alden Mills just pontificating, right? It's a law of nature. For every uncertainty, there is an equal opportunity. It's there. We just have to pivot our mindset to find it. Let me give you an example. I was sentenced to 50 days on a submarine. Now, I only say sentence because my boss didn't want to do the whole submarine trip, though. So, like, Alden, you're the. I, I spent two out of my three platoons leading these classified combat mini submersibles, which are based off of specially converted nuclear submarines. That's a mouthful, I know. But I would spend up to 50 days at a time on a submarine. That's nothing more than an active quarantine. And by the way, you can't get outside. Right? right. I mean, the only times you can get outside, you're still underwater in a smaller submarine. And what I did going in there was, all right, well, I can look at it as a pity. This is going to suck. Oh, woe is me. Right. Or I can be like, okay, well, I'm going to have a lot of extra free time. What am I going to do with this free time? And I went in with two things. Every day I was going to create something new. Now, I had a, a lifelong passion for wanting to doodle new ideas, create something new, right? So mm -hmm. every day I challenged myself to, on a sketch pad, invent something new. It didn't matter what it was. I did that for 50 days in a row, just some new widget every single day. That was about an hour of my time. And then for the other hour, because I was in such a confined space, I would literally, the only thing I could do was instead of looking to the back of the submarine, I would spin around and I'd look to the front of the submarine. And now I'm doing something new. And what was I going to do for that other hour? I was going to learn something new. And what didn't I learn? I hadn't learned up until that point how to type. So I bought this crappy little laptop, Zenith laptop. And the only thing I bought it for was a typing tutor diskette that I put in there and challenged myself to learn to type, not just learn to type, but learn to type at a hundred words per minute. Those were my two goals while I was on the submarine. Do you know what happened? That foundation over that time period ended up giving me the confidence to invent the perfect push-up which went on to power this company that sold a half a billion dollars of product. And also it gave me the confidence to write books. Wow. All during a period of time that very easily I could have just said, Oh, I'm miserable and I'm going to stay in my miserable little corner and be woe is me. Yeah. I mean, you raise something that is so valuable. Uh, I've actually engaged in the same self-conversation, if you will, about how do I utilize this time? Because there was a period of time where my clients were basically all hunkering down, not doing any work. And many of them are still trying to assess their current realities and what they're prepared to do, et cetera. So I had extra time to work with and also recognizing that my audience was hurting a lot and really was hoping for some of these pieces, like you talked about, the structure, the capacity to learn and whatnot. So whether it's delivering webinars or starting masterminds or certain other things that I've been doing, all of them have emerged from what is the opportunity here. 
And I think we all have to think about that. It's hard to do. It really is hard to do if you've just been laid off or furloughed or something like this, if you've just lost a lot financially or you're, you're sheltering in place alone, or there's a lot to, to focus on that's negative. And if we do, you know better than I do that you'll, it'll just pull you in and you'll stay there. But if you can say, what is the silver lining? What's the, you know, uh, the opportunity on the far side of this, the, 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 the thing that I can do that not only is going to help me in the, in the short term, right? Delivering content, keeping me fresh and all of that. But in the long term, using these webinars, for example, to leverage new, new clients, right? And say, hey, I hope you really enjoyed all the content that I've been sharing with you at no charge to you. Let's talk about how our work can continue beyond that. And that's mm-hmm. just me talking. I think everybody could look at it differently. You talked about new skills, writing a book, exercising more, taking control of your mental health. There are a thousand different ways somebody could go with this. But the bottom line is you have to start with a, with a, with a mindset that says it's not all bad. The whole world isn't collapsing. There are economies, there are individuals who are succeeding, who are thriving, going 10x on this because either they're in the perfect place you know, to take advantage of what the, what the market demands, or mm-hmm. they're just speaking in a way where the market as a whole is relating to them. And whether it's immediate or beyond, you know, when people restore to some degree of normalcy, whatever that ultimately looks like, I do think, in fact, that, the, that planting the seeds today can really be, for many of us, the leverage and the, uh, is it the fulcrum? I forget exactly what it is, but sort of to like to lift us to that next level, the amplifier that's going to scale our business mm-hmm. and really scale our lives. So I love the way that you are, you know, taking us to that space. But I wanted to ask you if I could one final question for this segment, mm-hmm. because the bottom line is, if your head is in a good place, it may seem easy to do. But if you are struggling, you know, it, it can be very difficult to kind of like extract yourself from from that cycle of negative talk, from that feeling of, yep. I really wish life was different. What do you do? Or maybe what, what, what strategies? Because I can imagine that the SEALs, for example, could be a very stressful place for people. And you know, you're, you're, you're dealing with challenges. You're dealing with things where you don't know if it's going to overwhelm you. You don't know if you have the capacity to push forward. What are some tips, some tools that you think that Lead to Succeed Nation could be utilizing to not only managing their stress in the moment, but to help them get to a better place emotionally so that they can really see opportunities and then act upon them. I want you to create a back to the future machine. Interesting. Remember back to the future, right? Remember the DeLorean and you would take off and go into the future and then you would come back again. Yep. Yep. That's the visual I want you to have. Okay. And every one of your listeners to have, we're going to, we're locking in to our back to the future DeLorean and we're punching in three years, five years, right? Just let's pick between three and five. Maybe it's just one year, whatever we think this too shall pass. I want you to go out past that point, three to five years. Let's play in that back to the future. We dial it in, boom, we fly to it. For now, we'll say it's five years. We're, what's Naftali doing in five years? What are those who've been following you at Lead to Succeed? What have they been dreaming about? What's that life like? Five years. Spend some time there. Yeah. Right? Spend some time there, but give me detail. Right. Be specific. Feel it. 
Think about it. What are your kids saying? What are your friends saying? What are those that you really care about patting you on the back saying, wow, good for you for doing what you did? Because you used something earlier that I now got to bring in there. You used the word seed, Mm -hmm. right? Planting the seed. Earl Nightingale, one of the kind of fathers of self-help, right? In the 1950s, uses this wonderful metaphor about planting a seed in our soil of the brain. And the brain really doesn't matter what seed is planted because the soil will fertilize all seeds. You can plant poison ivy or you can plant pineapples. You're caught. Not here in Jersey, but yeah. (laughs) <laughs> okay, maybe potatoes, right? Potatoes we could do. Potatoes. Yeah, that's it's right. your call, but I happen to like pineapple a lot. They're sweet and they take a yeah. while to grow. Yeah. You know, but that's the thing that when you do the back to the future, that's another way of saying, hey, I'm going to encourage you to plant a certain seed. And the seed that I'm going to encourage you to plant is that you're going to go to the future and see what the fruit tastes like. And I want you to experience it. I want you to experience it and how it makes you feel and people around you feel, you know, in my, um, both my books, I talk about an outcome account and then an outcome account is nothing more than experiencing both a positive or a negative outcome to something that's important to you. Right. And the way we experience that is first understanding what the outcome is we're after and what is happens if we if we accomplish it or we don't accomplish it. And then what's the impact to those that are experiencing your outcome, whether you've exceeded or succeeded or not. That's great. You know, I talk about this with goal setting, the idea that you want to tie emotion into the goal. You created a vision in this piece, which I think is fantastic as well, right? What will it look like? What will the outcome be? So for example, when I delegate to somebody, what will, or the change management process that I want to engage in, what will that look like when you plant the seed? It's a motivator, it's a clarifier, and of course it helps us do our very best work. Do you happen to have uh, a copy of one or both of your books handy? Because if you do, I'd love for our audience to see it and, um, and to be able to grab a copy as well. I know we're going to link it up, and if not, don't worry. It's, I know I kind of caught you on the moment there with that request, but since you referenced it, well, since I referenced it, there we go. There we go. All right. We got both of them. Unstoppable teams and be unstoppable. Absolutely want to get your hands on both of those. And I'm going to be getting my copies as well. I don't know if I'll do a hard copy if I'm going to grab an audible. Are they on audible? They are. I read be unstoppable. So okay. you'll hear my voice on that one. And then, they had a professional read the nice. but Okay. I'm sure yours was I'm biased. Better. I'm sure yours was even better. Anyway, no. so we're, we're going to pivot now to the rapid fire segment. Now that we've gone really deep in terms of managing our emotions and taking the right actions, let's end with a little bit of fun here before I ask you for that final life lesson. Um, tell me, please, Alden, uh, something that about the Navy SEALs that most people don't know. We have to keep our answers short, by the way. So a sentence or two, Max. No, well, I already disclosed it. We're huggers. Huggers. Okay. You did tell us that is true. Yeah, we're huggers, right? There's a lot of love that goes on. Here's another actionable piece. Complete this COVID sentence for me. Every day we should all dream. 
Nice. A book other than your own that I should start reading today. There are no shortcuts to the top. Okay, fantastic. And the final one, three great reasons besides for the capacity to grow pineapple, three great reasons for living in San Francisco. Diversity. Okay. Dungeness crab. And uh, Marin County. Nice. And for the kosher eaters, I'm going to have to substitute number two with the 49ers. Okay. Oh, or the Warriors. The Warriors. We'll go with either of those, although they've had a little bit of a down year. But generally speaking, they've been the place to, uh, to look for all everything NBA. All right, I have so, to tell you, I'm a big fan of your religion, by the way. One of my business partners is an Orthodox Jew. Oh, nice. I, I very much appreciate your focus. You know, faith here, I think, is really critical, regardless of what it is. Knowing that you're part of something bigger, that's been a real driver for me during Corona, but just in life in general. And of course, when you recognize, like I have, that as much as we think we have control, we really don't, and that there's so much bigger forces at play here it humbles me and at the same time it gives me that much more of a reason to get out there and see what i can do to make a difference so i really want to thank you for being here but before i let you go as i mentioned before number one i want to get a final life lesson and i also want you to tell us please where we can find you uh website social whatever it is so that people can engage with you further because it's very obvious you've got a ton to share and we just scratched the surface today Final life lesson. Are you ready? Uh, yeah, I am. It's up to you. The final life lesson, it's always, always up to you. Don't ever forget, we always have a choice. And those choices will determine our outcome. Maybe not today, maybe not the next day, but it's always up to us. Nice. Don't you dare give up on yourself. Beautiful. All leadership starts with you first and how you lead yourself. How you lead yourself becomes a reflection of your teams, of the communities in which you lead, everything. What a powerful way to end our formal conversation. Now just give us the connection piece. We're going to link it up in the show notes, but want everybody to be able to hear it as well and to find ways to, like I said, connect with you further. Uh, come visit me on my website, alden-mills.com, A-L-D-E-N-Mills.com. And you'll see lots of different ways to connect with me there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, really have, we, we didn't know each other at all. Our connection is very recent, but I feel I've already gotten to know you very well. And that I think is really a reflection on the person that you are, the leader that you have developed into over these many years and the insights that you have shared time and again for your community. So thank you for adding such value to Lead to Succeed. I wish you much continued success, and I really do hope to continue our conversation offline and become better acquainted over time. And I look forward to giving you a hug in the future. You got it. We could do it now like this, if that works. Boom! Uh, there we go. There we go. Awesome. Have a great day now. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode and for investing in yourself so that you can lead to succeed. Before you go, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Your feedback gives the show more social proof and encourages more folks to listen. 